and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So let's delve right in. So what are we going to be schmoozing about? Because there's, there's a lot between last Parsha and this Parsha. Are we actually raising? Yeah. We're always, we're always oh. schmoozing. Surprise. <laughs> I thought we would talk about, it sounds crusade, but I thought we would talk about the power of words, the utterance of words, the power of words. Because Bullock is a Parsha where we face a formidable foe who, whose only uh, weapon is really his mouth. Bilak is a, considered to be like a very formidable enemy who wants to curse us. <gasps> yes! <laughs> that is murder short. Um, curse us. Like, big deal, brah. Sticks and stones may break my bones. The words I never heard. Unless they do. Didn't they teach us that? They did in the United States. Words will never hurt me. So, how do you deal with this whole words thing? It's interesting, actually, just because this past part of Hokkaid and then before that Korah is also very much the center revolving around words, words that were used that shouldn't have been wor- used, words that should have been spoken but weren't spoken about. We talking about? Korach. Words. There's a whole revolution. There's yeah. a way in which he speaks and it's a whole thing where he's claiming that you did this and are, are we all holy like you? There's like a play on words that's tr- very powerful that really drives a lot of people to stand up and revolt. Yeah, but those aren't words that aren't followed by actions. They're actions that really Get him in the, right, but I, I think that part of saying that words have power is that words don't stand in the vacuum. And then after that, you have the fact that Moshe well, may or may not have spoken to the stone, should have spoken to the stone, should have spoken to the people. Well, I, well, I mean, you can go that way, but we're kind of overgeneralizing. I'm trying to be a little more specific. I mean, the whole power is about words. Okay, so he's there is words and there's words and there's words that are communicated. But we're talking about Bill um, not doing anything. He doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It just says things. Imagine if, I don't know, Ukraine is going to get back at Russia, or vice versa, and they have a secret weapon. They get a guy who's going to stand on a big map and look over all of the provinces of Russia, and he's going to go, you guys suck. <laughs> and then everything's going to fall apart. Like, all the cities are going to crumble. And they're like, no. That, come on, we're corrupt land. <laughs> <laughs> that would make such a great viral TikTok at this point. Yeah. So can you imagine? I mean, just think about it. You know, the Balak, he's like, oh no, here come the Jews. Let's get some of the curse on them. Let's put them in this place. Let's put them in that place. Oh no, this bandit food isn't so good. Let him, like, cook up his some sacrifice stew and then get inspired and go, ooh, you Jews, you guys are so bad. You're bad, and that's it. And then, oh, well, all of our roots shake, and we all crumble and die. 
What is he expecting? What does he think is going to happen? He's talking about imminent war. You know what I'm saying? He's not talking about, like, oh, maybe some cosmic change, you know, will take place 30, 50, 500 years from now. He needs to be protected from these dudes that are, you know, trespassing. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all, trespassing on my land. I'm going to get you out, so I'm going to get someone to curse you. Dramatic music. What did that? How do we even approach that? How do we approach it? How do we approach it? (laughs) So, I don't want to tackle that whole thing now, but I do want to talk about something that could be related to it. And I think it might also give an insight into this. We'll see how high we can build this asset. And as to a prayer, we also believe that our prayers are very powerful. We believe that prayer, public prayer, personal prayer, public um, deeds are, are very powerful. Public prayer and private prayer, powerful public prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe having a pod sitting on the porch is really good. Anyway, so, right, but yet, yeah, I want to go into the whole rigmarole of like the difficulty of prayer and everything. I, I want to get past those typical questions. Let's just get over the whole efficacy of prayer. You know what I'm saying? Because I, don't, I really, really am convinced. We don't pray to get things. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not trying to get things. We don't. This isn't a machine. As much as you know, popular culture and any religion will get you to believe that if you just say the right thing, you get that. You get that. You get that. You, God's not a machine. He didn't create some kind of pinball machine where you do the right thing. Re, you know, disregarding, of course, what we just started with, with the Balak Billam story, which is kind of what. That's what's going on. Something there is happening where Bollock really is putting his chips down, thinking that something catastrophic is going to happen if he just, this guy says the right thing. But putting that aside for a second. And maybe we'll eventually get back to it. Um, prayer in our book is very, very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. So I'd like to approach prayer. Um, in a way that, that's very focused on particular things. And I think if we see prayer this way, then we will understand how powerful it really could be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm basing myself on a, on a few things. So, so the, the brief, David Hamach in Kuhlin says, I am Tila. That means you can become a, a prayer person. A walking, so talking. You're a prayer. prayer. You are a prayer. You are a tefillah. Okay, so that's, we know that the word tefillah is a reflexive, reflexive, right? reflexive word. It means it's some kind of an inner process that you do to call yourself a prayer. I am a prayer. <clears throat> I know. It's a 
that are collected that are worked. So I'd like to say that the primary exercise of tefillah is every time you want to engage in it, and every time you ever want to engage yourself, I think we need to sit with ourselves and ask ourselves the question, what do I want? What do I want? And then, if I, when we ask ourselves that question, we already are able to discern different levels of how you can answer the question. So if I ask you what you want, if you ask me what I want, that is, in some circles, a Musar session of faith, a way of self-discovery. Perhaps you could even imagine if I asked you what you want, and then I would say, you tell me, well, I'm struggling with finding the right job. I really like to find the right job. Well, what kind of job would you like? Well, I'd like to find a job that offers me like, security. Okay. What well, job that offers you some security? So, what does self-security mean to you? you? Right. Well, what are you looking for? So you would get that job. What would that then you say, well, it makes me feel that, that I'm enough, that I'm sufficient. That's really what's wrong with I want to feel that I'm enough. I want to provide. Well, if you would, if you would feel that you were provided, what then would you want? You can keep going in that question. But ultimately, you get to a point where you feel that you're touching something that really really at this point in your life what you want. Of course it changes. Right? But but this is a real need that we're perceiving on a very deep level. And when you turn that into a prayer, that's a reflexive prayer. Prayer. So essentially reaching out to God and saying, really what I want. But why are we telling God what we want? We're really telling ourselves what we want, but when we're in a ch- when we're in the God chamber, then it's real. It's just you don't have the the, the the motherboard of God to sound it off of. Then it will have a tendency to become somewhat self self serving, selfish. Is it not self serving? Selfish. When it's in the in the, in the backdrop of with the backdrop of God, so then it has to have some purpose. It's going towards something that's eternal. When it's looking towards the eternal, then my own particular needs need to somehow be against that backdrop and have to somehow sound eternal. I can't just say if it's not eternal I'll say, Well I want money because I won't be Happy, and that's going to make me happy. Money. And somebody asks, "Well, why would money make you happy?" You say, "Well, because it does. It just does. I like having money." I'm saying we're already beyond that because we're already, I think, God is being people. We think about God a lot. As, as we do, right? So we're already in the discourse of like what these things mean on a more transcendental level. Yeah. 
think there's a fine line between saying that telling God what I want is is a divine, holy, godly thing endeavor, or to slide into that like vending machine like mentality where I say what I want because the expectation is to get what I want from the part of God, for God to be able to provide for what I want. So wait a second. Meaning, why am I stating what I want? Okay, so this one needs to go to the next level. What, what is it about? To get what, I want. what is it about this quest to know what you want that's so essential, it's so important? Knowing what we want on a personal level is important because our wants are rooted in our deepest sense of self. Yeah. What do you mean on a personal level as opposed to what? I don't know how much my wants that are connected to my deepest sense of self will affect someone else or play into the divine role that we well, try to tap that, into on this earth. Well, then that can be part of what you want. You also want to want things that will be... That will be... Because you also want to want things that will be... Also helpful to others, or at least not detrimental to others. That just speaks a lot about you, about you needing to make sure that you're not hurting other people. And you're not, but then you're, you're not really. But then you're adding things to that. That's not really getting at to the core of what you that want. Is, that is also what you want, because you just said it. You said, but personal terms. Well, maybe, why, do you, why are you already thinking about personal versus public? Why should you even make that contest? You're only thinking of it because you think that your personal thing may be at the detriment of other people. Otherwise, why wouldn't you assume that whatever you want just flows into whatever everybody else wants to hear? Well, it's not just detriment. I'm saying something like me having a car isn't necessarily going to be a detriment to someone else. It could be great things. I could get tramps and help people or not. It could just be a totally neutral thing. It doesn't have to come either at a cost or a benefit. It could just be. So why even bother with personal? Because why does me wanting a car have anything to do with the divinity in this world and my connection with God? Well, that's exactly. You need to go on that quest and ask yourself, why do I want a car? Why do I want to have money to have a car? What is it about a car? Now you have a car. Now what? Now what do you want? But is is the point of that then to eventually get to this place where? But desire is is a higher desire. Like, when is it okay to just stop have a desire, or do all desires need to be rooted in a deeper desire in order to be legitimate? Before we're, not, we're not talking about legitimate or not really here. But of course, the more you question yourself, the more deeper you get into your psyche, and the more you deeper you get into what you want. Why you gotta do that? Because we're having a pod. After like a month and a half, and you're just going to stop yawning. That's just because my body's tired, but I'm very much here. I'm very much, much. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, not as fluttery. <laughs> I hear it. Uh, so, yeah, I think that essentially getting at what you want is what the essence you can imagine yourself standing in prayer and being totally connected to what it is you really, really want. 
and we're being totally transparent about God. What I am. Okay, so I can, I can see that more now. Like, I'm still struggling as to essentially the, what would be the point of being as transparent or as um, vulnerable, I guess, would be the word, as real. But um, putting those words, it gives more of that. When you're with just the same thing as when you're in a relationship, showing up vulnerable and, and allowing yourself to be seen as what creates the, the, the most potential for connection. As well as the most potential for getting hurt. But I guess when we're talking about God, it's less, less about God. Right. Sometimes, for example, when we're in public prayer, our way we govern is that the, the, the things that are said publicly that, that represent like the, the key or the, or the most uh, divinely inspired, important, crucial, essential aspects of praying together are those deep, deep desires that you hope you can connect with. So if you say, Amen, Yehishmei, Rabban, Barak, like you can lip service it, or you can connect to it on a very deep level. But that deep level is to connect what you really, really want to what it is that you're saying. Because those chantings and those sayings are there, of course, not only to to, um, to let us know what we believe in, but it's also there to inspire us to actually. Co- coincide, you know, with our feeling. We hope that they coincide with what we feel. The whole script that we say is scripted. It's scripted because it's, on one hand, it's raising the bar very high. Is that like a sitter? Yeah, mm-hmm. things that we say. Right? It's raising the bar very high, so you don't necessarily feel it, but, but it's showing you the way. And, and the ultimate expression of what it is that you're saying is that you merge what it is that you're saying with what you really want. What you really want, personally. So if you're praying for all these things, at, one, at some level you have to really want it. So, so then you're, you're making it sound like at some, you know, really going deep into what we want essentially is wanting what we are scripted to want, which makes me question how genuine that desire is, or if the Muhammad were so wise to know that these are all things that everyone truly does want. No, it's the other way around. It's that these, if a person believes in God, these are something that should want. Mm-hmm. Her job is to want to want them. To want them. Or at least want to want them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when people say, Yeshme Rabbah and Barak God's presence should be felt in the entire world forever. It should be manifest in the world. We we once at least want that. Or we can get perhaps to a moment where we really want it. Or, or really want it. Or really, really want it. Or really, really want it. Whatever. But different levels of, of uh, intensity that you feel something. Depending on what it is you're going through or how, how you feel that day. A bit of coffee you drink in the morning. How awake you are. But I think this 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 um, 
I think this exercise of tefillah is like a very basic thing. I think that to really daven in a way that's meaningful for us today, we must do this exercise. We must. And even if you're saying you're saying a sitter, even if you are saying a sitter, you know you are saying scripted lines. You need to go through that also. A lot of it is praise. A lot of it is recognizing who it is that you're talking to. Who it is you're talking about. A lot of talking is that. But you, when it comes to the personal part, you need to be in a position where you're not always here. I'm not. I'm listening. What's really with you today? No, <laughs> what is with you? Your eyes are droopy. I'm just maximum zen. I don't have yeah, right yeah. now. <clears throat> well, this is Jewish prayer. It's not blanking out, not even mentioned Zen. It's not blanking out and becoming nothing, or meditating into nothingness. It's getting in touch with your inner, inner desires. But it seems like it's more than that. It seems like it's getting in touch with your desires and cultivating, cultivating desires that Jewish person should have into ourselves. Like you said, the want to want. Well, you can focus on that part too, but. And that's what it seems like you were saying. Yeah, I mean, look, hopefully, like the Rishna says, I say, uh, I say, 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 I no, we want our we want his will to be our will. I'm getting all confused. We want our will to be like his will, but his will will be like our will. Yeah, there's a confusion there. The says, I forget which order it is, but basically, it's that the will ultimately of us, the God, should ultimately mold and be the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to focus our life on. We're trying to want what God would want for us, from us, and that should be our deepest desire. It's a very holy religious vision, I mean, but we start from a farther place where we're trying to figure ourselves out first. And so when we ask ourselves these deep questions about what we want, you know, there are certain um, uh, groups of people where they've done it in even in secular circles. Of people, people, you know, very well healed people from walks of life um, get together in a group of, of people. And they all ask each other, what do you want? What do you want? And each person in the group has to express themselves what they want. Mm-hmm. And you hear people break down for a time. Like, hey, mm-hmm. like, I want my kids to love me. I want, I want to feel loved. I, want, I, want, I wish I could feel my parents. This, Presence, you never really get to know them. Mm-hmm. Really, what I want, you know, it's like very deep things, very sometimes hurtful, wrongful, emotional things. Depending on the day and whatever the person's feeling like that day. Some, yeah, some things are recurring, some things are recurring. Some things are just part of the, the mindset of the person, which is. They just feel like they had that 
Of course, you say, well, if you feel the love he has, what then? Mm -hmm. Where where would that put you? What would you then I would feel. You know, then I would be. Mm -hmm. The whole analysis is um, very deep. It's difficult. Not easy. <coughs> so we. You have to edit you out so <laughs> yawning and sneezing. I like what it's right there. Yeah, but I just heard your sneeze. Oh, Whatever, I lost it. <laughs> but I really want or want to sneeze again. <laughs> yeah, so. So how does that tie into then the power of words and curses? Do you think that if the expression of our deepest desires has the effect of being before God honesty and vulnerability and true connection that is real, then how does I don't know really the end ask that question, but I think somehow we believe that if you're really true to yourself and you're true in front of God, you connect you're connecting into the the Connection to the divine stuff happens. I don't know how. I certainly can't explain to you. But I think a guy like Billam, he's like, he's trying to figure out what he wants. He, when he gets these visions, he's trying to, is he so evil to actually see through the evil? Like he wants, he's going to connect to the evil that these people that are under underneath the curse represent, and he's going to, like, incarnate that evil. Body, he's going to just like be that whole people. Like, these people, can you see what I see? These people are monger, money mongering, war mongering, greedy, you know, selfish, uh, cruel, you know, whatever, whatever it is you people can imagine about these people. They're gonna. They're gonna just play it up and just like be all venom, you know. And we know that if people are really venomous, if people are really hateful. Somehow it does something. You can feel it. People hate us enough, like the Nazis. They're able to convince themselves to do the most horrible thing. And it's not just themselves, but they just they convince them they hate. They hate us. It's blind. It's, it comes from a conviction of like this is the reality. Don't you see it? That can only be born out of real hate. That just you just takes takes you over. Or spokesman for that hate. I feel like what your point you're getting at is is um, reflection of truth. Like I feel like on an individual level, in, in prayer or bilam or about hate, people come to this point where they're trying to be the the, the mirror of truth, like coming really to get to something and and really bring it out and go like, this is the Matthias, This is the truth. And based on that comes consequences that are both natural and you might even say that also uh, divine. So it's very, very illuminating because here you have a guy who understands the power of this thing. And he's trying to, like I said, incarnate, what was the word, I think in Spanish, I think, right? He's trying to embody the, you know, the most negative aspects of this people. He wants to create the reality that these people are really, they're just awful. And he's going to be the conduit to bring that essence 
of the people, you know, in the world. He's going to bring it down. He's a vermin. And as he tries to get there, which is a very, very deep level of the connection, he's trying to, trying to see things the way, you know, show light onto a particular thing, focus the light in this direction. Right? He just can't go there because it isn't true. So mm-hmm. saying he gets busted by a certain reality where he ends up saying, oh, Mato like, I just can't see it. I can't. He sees the he sees the others, you know. He also he sees the others. He sees the things still in front of them, you know. And then he and then all of a sudden at the end of the parish he starts looking at other nations because ultimately he says, look, nations come and go. This nation should go also, right? Because nations just crumble and they get corrupt and they and they don't deserve to be really you know to continue because eventually they become so worthless and. Or whatever, and they lose sight of what it is that they're about, or anything transcendental, and then they go. So it's time for this nation to go also. And he, he can't see that about the Jewish people. The Jewish people are seeing a nation that would want. Being a, uh, that's the message of the Parsha, right? It's an eternal nation. That's Villain that says that, right? It's a nation that lives alone. It's not considered amongst other nations, it doesn't have the fate of other nations. So he turns his eyes on other nations and he says, Oh, this nation is going to fall down. Rashid going on the lake, foresees the destruction of Amalek, you know, eating, you know, a lot of things that, you know, Hazal, our tradition says, to the Romans, to the Greeks, to the Greeks, whatever it is. Anyway, but I think translating it for us on a more practical level, that if you envision something really, truthfully, super in touch with reality, then you're at the best level of you know, you're, you're at the best level of actually creating connection of reality of the divine thing, you know, that that can create the most reality possible. Mm-hmm. You can look you can look at it more focused on the man. And the supernatural, or whatever you want to say it, but of course, supernatural, not But it is something about shedding light on, on the truth of yourself. Mm-hmm. I guess you could also say that the we we say that God God is truth. I feel like there's there's a certain there's a certain eternalness or divinity. To being able to truly focus in on on the truth of things that makes them more lasting or more permanent or more or stronger. Um, so I think that there's there's a lot to that when it comes to prayer, trying to really get to the essence of what we want, the truth of ourselves. I think really touches more into then like that reflection of truth of the divine, which in itself just has more weight and more. Okay, vision of an idea of how it might work or what it is we're doing. Yeah. Truth normally we associate with more rational things, but certainly reality, being in touch with reality, even on a personal level. It's what, what are we being asked to do with prayer? We're praying personally. There's public prayer and there's private prayer, but most of the prayer is private to your relationship with God. I'm a prayer. So that activity of being a prayer means to know what you want. That's what you want to say. 
mm-hmm. to be to be so self aware of yourself and who you are that you mm-hmm. you are truthful to yourself. Look at the prayers that we pray of Dharma. It's one big prayer. He's like he's like he passionately wants things. He wants the wicked to be destroyed. He wants the kind of shame of Gadea to remind us how much Sadiq to be exalted. He wants goodness. He wants he wants to shine to be paid. He wants evil to be eradicated. He wants stuff that's uh, very noble. Love that has to do with life, of course, at the moments of his life. But he's passionately connected to whatever he wants, and that's very far. I think it's a timely message for today. A lot of times we're afraid of what it is that we want, so we just don't want to do the work. Really asking ourselves what we want and sitting with ourselves to ask those hard questions. Not just the one question, but to keep asking yourself. Mm -hmm. How do you envision yourself to get what you want? This is very much a time where. One one thing, or like the, the centering in on one thing, very much opposes the the idea that everything is everything and everything is anything. Boundaryless, less focused, fluid world. It's hard then to really allow yourself to to feel things that you may feel like are politically correct, or to want things, or to really narrow in on something and to feel like this is truly what you want, as opposed to everything could be good. And who am I to? You know, differentiate between this and that, and what I want, or what I don't want, or what looks good, or what's bad, or you know, how I feel about this, as opposed to feeling about that. Yeah, that's some of the challenges that we face. We all face it. We all face it. I'm going to do it right now. But ask myself what I want. You say, oh, I want to eat this. Okay. What, you know, you can get really petty. You know. And then you realize you're being petty. That's not really what I want. That's not really what I want. What I want is... I want to do that. And you have to also be willing to... Uh, in, in, in the light of what you just said. You're not closing. You can change. You change. What your desires really are when you're 20 or not the same as when you're 30 or even sometimes. But all those desires and wants are, are different. You have to see them as something that's good. Very different in beauty. That's to be loved. You've probably learned it before, but the central aspect of the tefila, of the private tefila, is requests. The requests is not very accepted as being the central part of tefila and other things. And again, though, that we're saying that the requests isn't. Requests aren't important because we're because we deeply believe that when you ask for something, you get it. Requests are all about getting to understand what we want right. and being able to be truthful to ourselves right. and to show up vulnerably in the relationship. Sure. So if you ask for God, do you really want God? Do you know what it is? If you're asking for chuba, do you want it? Yeah. If you're asking for a chuba. It has to be, you know, there's a there's a fellow named Joe Singer who speaks of uh Tila very often he calls it Blitz. Blitzium 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 and Tio Hypex Cynicism. Tini C 
ציניות. ציניות. ציניות, בלי ציניות.